Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Let's talk sports. I was off yesterday, so back here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu had a conflicting scheduled production, and so uh, apologies for that, uh, or for those who enjoyed my uh, not being here. Um, you're welcome. All right, we have uh, our buddy here that usually joins us on Tuesdays. Uh, Jordan Helley's on the line from the island of Maui. Jordan, how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. This is, uh, you know, this, again, I'm settled into this. Uh, sometimes I kind of pause. It's like, oh yeah, I gotta, uh, I gotta jump on the radio today. That's with right. Kanoa. So you know, it's 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 being ingrained in my uh, in my daily weekly routine. Yeah, my weekly routine. This is nice. I like it. You're squeezing it in uh, to your slew of podcast appearances and regular uh, podcast hosting duties as well. Hawaii football now being one of them under the ESPN Honolulu banner, um, and obviously also wedging it in between some of your play-by-play announcing responsibilities as we are certainly waist-deep now in prep football. We are already several weeks in uh, to that season. We also have Tanner Hayworth, who's working the board. Uh, he is finishing up what appears to be one of the largest cups of coffee or, or at least some kind of coffee-related drink that I've ever seen. He is also bundled up. It's pretty cold here in the studios in Honolulu, uh, and so he is bundled up. He's got a University of Hawaii hoodie on. He has uh, long pants on. He is dressed for the occasion. I, myself, freezing my you-know-what off. And so, Tanner, I'm very jealous of you. What kind of coffee drink was that? It's just a regular old uh, uh, chocolate cream cold brew that's taken me this long to drink. <laughs> How long are we talking? When did you purchase said coffee drink? 4.40. This morning? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And there I'm was, almost done. So, so the coffee itself is roughly eight hours old. Yeah. The cream... That also well, happens to foam. be in there. It was foam, uh, okay. so I believe I got all the foam before okay. it. That's before dangerous. It could get old, but that, that's dangerous. You're, you're playing with fire there, and and if you have to make a run to the restroom, it's a lot of layers of clothing that you're gonna have to get, get through uh, in order to do your thing. But uh, I wish you the best. It's good to have uh, Tanner here. Good to have Jordan joining us as well. Two nine six fourteen twenty is the number to call. You can also hit us up on the Zephyr Insurance text line at the same number eight zero eight two nine six. 1420. Now, yesterday I was involved, as mentioned, with a certain production. Uh, I'm not going to dive too far into it because there are uh, some uh, disclosure uh, requirements or, or some disclosure restrictions, uh, but it was a fairly prominent local, uh, well, not local, but uh, national uh, primetime television drama production that is shot here locally. Uh, it is uh, an, an abbreviation of letters. Uh, well, that'll be that'll be one of the hints there. Uh, I'm not going to get into full detail, maybe at least not yet, about exactly what kind of, of part I played in it. But uh, let's put uh, this out there at least. It wasn't a stretch. It wasn't very much a, a, a stretch. I didn't have to do a lot in terms of method acting research for this uh, particular spot. And there is probably a 98 to 99% chance that all the work that I put in uh, ends up on the cutting room floor. So let's not get too excited there on that front. But don't worry, Jordan. It's not going to change me. No eye contact here over our Zoom that we have. That's the only rule now. Yeah, they bring back MASH? <laughs> 
Is it a pilot? <laughs> hey, I mean, it really, it could be it could be anything when you use those clues, right? I mean, MASH would be one of them. Uh, you got all the CSIs, all the NCIS, all of that is, stuff is it out a, there. Is it, is it like an H1 version of chips? <laughs> I did. Uh, I was formerly a motorcycle rider back uh, in my younger adulthood. So uh, yeah, that, that might that, be coming back. That was a possibility. This fame goes to yeah. your head here. Uh, yeah, we'll just leave that out there. There's a little tease. That's what we call here in the biz. You know what I mean? Jordan Helley is joining from the island of Maui. We got Tanner working the board and just blown away by this Honolulu Little League team. Like they're looking like one of the most dominant teams in the history of this tournament. Uh, as they win again yesterday, they went up against a Texas team that everyone thought was going to be a difficult opponent everyone thought oh look out for this texas squad they're coming uh, i don't know if you're watching the major league baseball game that was held in williamsport on sunday uh, but you had uh, george w bush who was present at the game they actually brought him up to the booth and he was talking with the announcers and it was kind of a cool part of that broadcast where they were talking about the upcoming hawaii versus texas little league matchup the following day and uh, one of the members of the broadcast crew brought up the fact that, hey, look, this this could almost be like a President Obama versus President Bush type of matchup. And, and George W. Bush was like, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting right there. And, and he's saying, you know, I, I heard this Texas team is legit, and, and so look out. And I think by all accounts, that was sort of the expectation. But here this Hawaii team just goes in, and they just shut them out. 6 nothing. the final score. Hawaii has now outscored its three opponents through this tournament. 29-1. to They will play Tennessee in the U.S. semifinal tomorrow, but they have looked completely dominant. Uh, Jaron Lancaster is arguably one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter in the tournament, and maybe the best pitcher in the tournament. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how talented this team is looking and how dominant they have been to this point. Now, Tennessee is also 3-0. and They'll meet them in the semifinal tomorrow. Obviously, things will escalate in terms of competitiveness uh, in terms of their opponents here moving forward. But that said, uh, I mean, <laughs> what else can you say about this Little League squad? Uh, they didn't even have a couple of members and their head coach uh, yesterday because of uh, what was uh, referred to as like safety, health and safety protocols. Uh, but that said, I mean, just nothing standing in their way to this point. They've been they've been really good, you know. And and the crazy part is that it's not that surprising. I mean, it kind of is, but like for for Hawaii fans that have sort of followed the little league, right? And and the funny thing is, it's it's a different iteration every year. Although a guy like Kikoa Payanal is back there for a second year in a row. You know, it's it's more or less a new crop of kids, um, but we're kind of used to this. Like they're they they've been this good. Whoever has represented Hawaii, right? Whether it's you know Honolulu Little League three out of the last four tournaments. It was Central East Maui. It was you know uh, YPO for a while mm-hmm. when they were making their run, right? Uh, about a decade or so ago. Uh, but everybody who goes, they play deep into the tournament. They win baseball games. They always seem to have a little bit of pop, you know, and they've got the big bats on this team. They always have good pitching and defense. Like, that's a given. They got that, that on this team. They've got Shohei Otani and Jaron Lancaster, <laughs> who just throws gas and also hits jacks out of there on a game-by-game basis. It's it's ridiculous. And I've kind of talked about this before on a couple of different platforms, but with the win last night, since 2001, when the field got expanded to 16 teams, so that was that was the last big expansion 21 years ago, and now it's up to 20, obviously. Hawaii in Little League World Series, 33 and six in eight trips. 33 and six. That's crazy. That's that overall, all, all the games. 
33 and 6 in eight trips. They've obviously won multiple World Series, three of them, right, in, since 2001. And it's kind of the the latest modern era, right, of, of Little League Baseball when they really expanded this thing from 8 to 16 and now to 20. Yeah, 33 and 6, no big deal. Yeah, that's they just crazy. go and they win. I don't even know what the winning percentage that is. I can't do the math that quickly, but uh, you know that's that's pretty good. That's uh, only an eighty-five percent winning percentage, eight forty-six. That's that's not bad. Hey, that's pretty good. A uh, quick calculation there off the top of your head. Thanks were you using Google. your laptop calculator yeah, there while you were uh, absolutely while you were filibustering? Uh, all right, absolutely. very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous, and it's becoming a thing, right? I mean, not only is it such a perennial uh, representation for them now at this point, right? There's always seemingly a team from Hawaii, but uh, apparently it's becoming a thing. Like that West jersey, uh, they said is one of the best-selling jerseys over there in Williamsport, right? And uh, you know, it is a little style with sort of the light blue and the yellow. I mean, th- th- there is a, a certain fashion uh, maybe advantage to that color combo. But, yeah, I think it's also because, you know, these guys who come from the middle of the Pacific Ocean, they come over and they just ball the heck out. And I think it's become it's become kind of a headline here on an almost annual basis uh, for uh, this Little League World Series in Williamsport. It's, it's crazy. 296-1420 is the number to call. We do have a caller on the line. We have Tiny on the line. What's up, Tiny? Hey, how's it going, guys? How you, uh, my you man? Know, good. You know, the little league thing, I just wanted to share this light because my wife asked me this because we watch every year, and she's always asking me, how come the Hawaii teams are always so good? And, and then, you know, we don't have as many Hawaii people in pro baseball later. So I, I played on a senior major team. It was not as glorified. It was the 13- to 15-year-olds, a little league. And we went to the World Series back then. It was in uh, Gary, Indiana. To show you how long ago it was, uh, Lyman Bostock was killed while we were there in Gary, Indiana, uh, former baseball player. But uh, when, when we played, we blew by in uh, Oregon. We won there. We went to Sacramento. We won. Then we went to Gary, and we came in third place. But what we realized as a bunch of young kids was that we were smaller, but a little more agile and faster. The kids were bigger. We beat Texas. We beat New York. All these teams bigger, but they just didn't have the uh, agility. I don't know if you guys can understand that. You know, it's, yeah. It's the, yeah. And uh, we had guys like Wayne Takamori, Guy Ogawa was our pitchers. So huh. We had a nice staff. And they threw hard, and uh, we were just a little more humble. We noticed they were, you know, bigger, so they kind of came in thinking they could blow us away, and we beat everybody, and you know I see that happening even today. You look at those teams from Tennessee, and they're like, "Oh man!" But then you see the Hawaii boys; they're just quick and something about you know when we're younger, we have a little more of that. I don't know athletic athletic ability. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good point. Hey, Tiny, good hearing from you. First off, thanks for calling in, man. Uh, we appreciate him calling in. Two nine six fourteen twenty is the number. Always good to hear uh, from a man, Tiny. And, uh, yeah, talking a little bit about his playing days. And I think that's a good point, right? I mean, you look at some of these other teams and you have some monster kids and you have some big swingers, some big bats, and, and you have perhaps in a greater percentage players from these other teams that have a stronger likelihood to play at a higher collegiate or even professional level. Um, so, yeah, why would it be then that these Hawaii teams with players who are at least on average that's not the case with all of these guys as you have seen uh, with this squad in particular but uh, you know 
maybe on average are a little bit smaller, uh, but what they do have, like Tiny was referring to, is some of that agility, some of that speed, and I think just the fundamental nature of the game. I, I think the game of baseball has, for decades, been taught a little bit differently here in the islands, right? And I think some of that is the influence of Asian baseball. Uh, and you look at what Les Murakami did for decades at the University of Hawaii, adopting a lot of that, what is kind of known informally as small ball, uh, just that very fundamental manner of playing smart between the ears type of baseball utilizing some of the speed and agility that tiny i think very uh, accurately and correctly refers to uh, i just think it's a different style in the way the game is taught it is much more fundamentally focused and i think that's a huge thing you don't see the hawaii teams at least by and large throwing the ball all over the field uh, they're very capable in that way they take care of the little things i think the little things are a little bit more in focus for these coaches that are coaching youth baseball at the Hawaii level. And I think that's something that has kind of built and and built upon itself. Uh, I'm talking about like going back decades at a multitude of levels. I think that's kind of what we're continuing to see here perennially from these Hawaii little leaguers. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think, you know, baseball, and again, th- this isn't necessarily the case with this team because they've got some dudes who are sure. fairly yeah. big. There right? are I some mean, absolute the, exceptions uh, to the general uh, thing we're talking know, about. Uh, yeah. Daily Watson and Jaron Lancaster <laughs> and some of these kids, like, oh, they got they got some big kids out there. But, you know, I mean, baseball is one of those great equalizers, right? You don't have to be big. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be the strongest. Um, but it is a game that, that, that is made for all sizes. And, and I think historically that has obviously been a strength for Hawaii is the fact that hey you can throw any collection of of sort of physical stature out there but if if you if you hammer home the fundamentals if you've got a team that can throw strikes if you've got a team that's disciplined at the play right don't beat yourself as simple as that sounds uh, but I, I will say you know to to Tiny's point um, I think as much as or, or as much as anywhere you look across the country and it's a little hard to compare apples to apples because a state like California or a region like Southern California is so much more populous, right? So much more populated than, than Hawaii. But look, Hawaii's got four active major leaguers right now. That's true. Right? It, it, Kurt Suzuki, Colton Wong, uh, Isaiah Kiner, Falifa, and um, uh, Kirby Yates, right, who just got promoted. Or am I getting the Yates brothers mixed up here? I probably am. <laughs> uh, but, um, the no, you Yates, got it. You got it. The, the Kirby, who just got uh, activated with the with the Braves. And so you've got four major leaguers from a state that's barely over a million people. You've got one from all four counties in the state, which is kind of crazy to think about. It's not like some hotbed, you know, in one location or something like that. But for Hawaii to have four active major leaguers is pretty darn good mm-hmm. at this point. And I think, you know, it, it's so interesting because you kind of got the, the chicken or the egg scenario, right? Because Hawaii's emergence in, in Little League baseball in particular, like they've always had good youth baseball teams, right, in a, in a bunch of different classifications, whether it's Horse League, whether it's Babe Ruth, whether it's some of these other, but Little League in particular, which is obviously the biggest um, spectacle. It is the, the one that's promoted the biggest. It, it, it's the one that, that has that carries the most weight and the, the biggest stature. Um, but that kind of coincides with, with like Shane Victorino, right, and, and what he was doing and and sort of, you know, it's like, okay, then more kids become interested in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. And, and baseball's taken a little more seriously, um, you know, in, in family circles sometimes, maybe a little too seriously, because, like, hey, Shane Victorino, who, again, not the biggest brother, but he, you know, he's won two World Series. He's a multi time all star. He's a multi time gold glover. It's like, okay, well, 
yeah, maybe maybe we, we have kids that look up to that, right? And they want to play baseball, and all of a sudden there's a boom. And, and, and the coaching, which has always been really good, it kind of takes advantage of that wave. And the next thing you know, you've got multiple major leaguers. Kurt breaks through. Colton breaks through. And youth baseball success every summer now is kind of just a given that there will be, I don't know, four, five, six teams that make it to like a World Series in a different classification and a different, a different organization. Um, so I don't know what the chicken or the egg is in that scenario. But I, I do think within the last 25 years, because of, um, you know, kind of a convergence of things, we see we see where, you know, maybe the, the major league breakthrough wasn't what it was in the past. But, I mean, now, again, you got you got four guys playing major league baseball. Yeah, that's that's a really valid point, and um, yeah, I, I think maybe you would expect to see a, a few more. Is what what maybe Tiny is is referring to at least some people who are or a little bit more on the outside looking into this thing. Uh, but I mean, this is little league. <laughs> there are a lot of years between this level and obviously getting to to professional baseball. But I think that the point overall is taken is is the amount of Division One college players, even the amount of professional players who don't necessarily make it to the bigs. Uh, it is continually expanding, and and so yeah, Hawaii's just uh, playing a good brand of baseball. They're teaching it at a very young age. It is very fundamentally sound. It is very detail oriented. And I think then you throw in the talent that this team has. That Wong kid is like just a man among children uh and it, like in terms of his size and so yeah i think this this is the one team that sort of appears to have the combination of all of those things right they're built like some of these other texas league teams that we've seen in this tournament physically but then they also have the fundamentals and the speed and the attention to detail and the pitching i mean this team doesn't appear to have much in the way of weaknesses and hey look they got a ways to go here before uh, they go on and win this whole thing i'm i'm very stoked to see the international teams being represented again after a couple of years away due to the pandemic and all of that. Uh, so I think it makes for an exciting uh, tournament. I have uh, definitely bought in. You know, I've, I've not been necessarily the least uh, critical guy when it comes to the uh, incongruity of coverage of the various Little League divisions and organizations. Uh, but yeah, when there's a Hawaii team, I, I still definitely get into it. And, and this team is so dang good. Uh, they've been uh, really easy to root for, obviously, and, uh, and very easy to to uh, follow because <laughs> they're just doing it in such dominant fashion. Uh, pretty cool stuff. We thank Tiny uh, for the call. We have another caller on the line. 296-1420 is the number. You know what? We have Kimo here. Uh, let's get him in before we take a break. Kimo, what's up? How's it, Kimo? This is Lo. Yeah, I just wanted to speak on the little Yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, I, uh, the Oda brothers, they're fantastic. They're great. However, like, I just wanted everybody uh, who don't know the rules and everything. Um, there was a big change a few years back where they moved the birthday from May 31st to August 31st so that they wanted that so no kid on TV is going to be a freak you know what I mean six feet 180 pounds <laughs> but this team has a lot of a lot of talent on it however the Cal Ripken team and the other travel balls they still didn't change it's still May 31st and with the um, another big rule change that came upon was before you had to live in district now to qualify to be in district you have to go you can go to school and this goes for everybody so i've been reading on the um honolulu advertiser people make comments do people know this and blah 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 everybody knows this but it goes all around so big cities that have a little league they have the same rules so like in tokyo they're pulling from a big thing so these teams are basically ilh teams so like back 
back in the day with Aukaikia. He was living in Makakia. His dad ran Second City Baseball out of Kapolei. Um, They had another kid from Kapolei. They had another kid from Aia, all within the rules, all legal. But the older brothers, they've been doing this since the since the mid mid nineties, they're really good at what they do. They attract these talents. I just want not, not taking anything away from anybody. This is a travel team, though, and it goes across all little leagues. It's basically the the um, the whoever wants to jump in and join in a league. Those travel ball teams have a better shot, just because you know what I mean. They're able to put together a better team, and this. They're the cream of the crop, though, this year. Thank you for listening to me. Hey, gotcha. Thanks for the call. Again, 296-1420 is the number you can text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line. I uh, want to remind you that tomorrow we got another episode of Call the Coach with Timmy Chang, 6 p.m. at Ruby Tuesday in the Moanalua Shopping Center. You can call or text in with your questions and comments to John Venary and Coach Chang. It's brought to you by Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, and PAXA. Jordan Helley is joining for from Maui. We continue after this break. Let's talk sports. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Being joined because it is a Tuesday and it's the usual fare. We have Jordan Helley on the line from Maui. Tanner Hayworth is working the board. We were talking about the Honolulu Little League team and just how dominant it has been in that last segment. One thing that I meant to mention, uh, did you see that throw across the diamond by Lancaster in that game yesterday? Uh, he was like sort of deep in the short stop hole and, and just threw an absolute laser across the diamond. It was uh, it was pretty remarkable and uh, made made me think, Jordan, you've talked about this before. Like, the field is too small for some of these kids. <laughs> like they, oh, yeah. They, they might be completely. of age, but they've completely outgrown the, the dimensions of that diamond. Yeah, it really is. Like, the, the bases should probably be, like, a little, like 10 feet back, right? The mound should be a little further. Um, it, it's kind of interesting because they, they've, they've started to build up the intermediate division. Which is the 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 twelve thirteen year old as part of that age shift that the chemo was calling in about, and so that that's a little further, right? Seventy foot bases, it's a fifty foot mound, um, and it's it's just more pure baseball. I mm. guess you can like take a lead, yeah. steal a base, you know. I mean, it, it's it's more or less softball rules, right? You can't take a lead, you can't lead the bag until the ball crosses home plate. So. Yeah, there there are things that I would change about little league baseball, but uh, we do get to see Jerry Lancaster just like throw ninety nine across the diamond, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, that was a fireball for sure. All right, well, uh, this is the week, right? Uh, it is the season opener for University of Hawaii football. Seems as though uh, spring ball training camp just kind of flew by, and so here we are. It is upon us. Hawaii taking on Vanderbilt four thirty kickoff this Saturday at Clarence T C Ching Athletic Complex. Vanderbilt when the line first came out and this was a while back i think they were a favorite by about two and a half points this is according to uh, our liaison in vegas matt humans uh, of the vegas stats and information network uh, he is very reliable in these types of uh, pieces of information so he said it went from two and a half to just a few days ago six and a half jordan you said you were looking at this thing uh, it is up to eight or at least you found uh, a, a line where uh, it is all the way up to vanderbilt now being favored by eight 
Yeah, eight. I mean, it was six and a half yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, looking at a couple of different uh, sources. Uh, yeah, it looks it looks to be the, the lines jumped a point and a half here in 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the speculation will be uh, – will run amok here, obviously, in the days leading up to this opening game. I think the one thing that Hawaii kind of has on its side here going into this, uh, and I think you've heard some media members around the Vanderbilt program and even in, in some of the uh, interviews that we've heard from coaches and members uh, of that team, Hawaii kind of has a little bit of the element of surprise advantage here and, and maybe even more than just a little bit. Uh, obviously, they are keeping it very close to the vest as to who the starting quarterback is officially going to be, although I think most of us have at least an expectation on that front. Uh, but even just overall in what uh, on the offensive side of the ball, particularly what this scheme is going to ultimately look like. I, I keep referencing an interview we had last week with Dior Scott, one of the receivers on the squad, uh, how he described the offense. And the way he described it was uh, basically the intention and the goal of the offense was to be undefinable. And to this point, I think that's kind of been the case, right? Everyone just sort of tosses out the run-and-shoot terminology because it's Timmy Chang, but that's not necessarily going to be the case here. There will be some uh, principles that will be applied, but it's going to be very much uh, more a sort of mix and match of different offensive schematic philosophies. What that ultimately looks like and how that is weighed in terms of run-to-pass percentages and those kinds of things, uh, that remains to be seen. And I think to that and that could work as at least a bit of an advantage, at least in the early portion of that game for Hawaii, because Vanderbilt right now, from a preparation standpoint, I'm not sure if there's much they can look at to really know, all right, this is what we have to be ready for. Uh, they're just going to have to kind of go in with a general sense of, of how to approach this ball game, at least from a defensive standpoint against this Hawaii offense. That's the that's the the one nice thing, right? For this first week, it, it's why I think, in large reason, that the opening depth chart put out by the University of Hawaii yesterday had three quarterbacks listed as the starter. <laughs> you know, because at this point, why not? Right? <laughs> Keep as much mystery as you possibly can. Uh, you, you talk about Dior Scott's comments. Uh, Jared Ursua earlier in camp, the wide receivers coach, kind of you know talked about the collaborative process with his experience with. Ian Shoemaker's experience at his stops, Timmy Chang, uh, all of these different backgrounds and offenses and things that have worked, and they've worked really well together. And he called it like a mixed plate, right? And he said, you got a little bit of katsu, you got a little bit of kalbi. And I, I just imagined if some like team on the schedule this year caught wind of that interview and they're like Googling what this all means, right? It's like, what, what, is, what is katsu? What is kalbi? <laughs> they're trying to like get any sort of intel, right? Who because is this kalbi guy? Who is this yeah, who is it an initial? Is it, you know, and so because that's what happens, because you've got to try and find information any which way. And and realistically, this is a little more serious. Like if you're trying to pinpoint Shoemaker as the offensive coordinator, like you have to watch film from his time at Eastern Washington. You have to watch film. You got to try and go unearth film from his time at uh, what was it? Central or Western Washington. You're probably looking up film from his time coaching like D3, NAI, like anything out there. You know, you're, you're, you're having to look up Nevada film from last year to see if any of those wrinkles with Timmy Chang's background are mixed in. you gotta look up, you got to look up Southern Utah film from last year and see if any of Jared Ursua's background is going to be mixed in there, right? you got to look – I mean, you, you might have to look up especially maybe protections and run plays 
uh, from Fresno State. If you're going to look up Roman Sapolis, right, you're going to have to look up some D2 film. Uh, if you're if you're trying to find out, you know, if if Kiki Misipeka has got some some influence on this, because we don't know, right? And if you're a coach trying to prepare for this on the other side of things, like that's seriously what what has to happen. Like you've got to go find cuts and clips from every which way, and obviously a bulk of that's probably going to be Eastern Washington stuff, the most recent stop for Coach Shoemaker. But you really are kind of trying to unearth every which way. You know, and and you're you're, you're having to you're having to scout last year's Hawaii team as well because you're looking at personnel, and even at that, some of the personnel, right? You're bringing in guys from different places. Um, you know, the 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 backup running back is basically split between a couple of true freshmen. Uh, you've got a couple of quarterbacks in there that that weren't on the roster last year that are still in the running for the starting job. So you got to go, you got to go maybe find a little bit of tape on Pitt and Arizona State. Like there's a whole lot you got to cover if you're Vanderbilt, right? And and so you're not going to unearth and watch every single clip of every single game, but you're trying to gather as much information as possible. And really, that's scattered across different divisions, different teams, different years. It's it's a, it's a gargantuan task. It's going to be really interesting for a defensive-minded head coach to see how he approaches this because there is a whole bunch of new and a whole lot of unknown. Who is Ben Toe? And how do we contain this guy in this Hawaii <laughs> offense? No, I think um, the, the other side of it, obviously, the reality of it, and part of the reason why I think you're seeing that line moving so dramatically here as this week goes on, uh, is Vanderbilt, if you're going to play an SEC team, that's the team you want to play, right? If you're going to open a season at home against a team from the SEC, and this is the first time that Hawaii has played a team from the SEC uh, since they went to Florida in 08, um, but I think if you're going to do that, uh, you know, Vanderbilt is going to be the squad, but then you still have to look. Well, they still have a lot of the ingredients of SEC football, including the size on that offensive line. And they're still averaging over 6'5", over 320 pounds across that offensive line. They're going to be huge. They're going to be large. They have three running backs who all got experience uh, last year. One of them got injured three games in, but three running backs basically with significant playing experience in that backfield. They have a returning quarterback, an incumbent quarterback, and so they're going to be kind of experienced on that side of the ball. And I'd imagine from Vanderbilt's standpoint, at least the the general thinking will be, let's try to see if we can just kind of pound these guys and see if we can pound them into submission, see how that works early. And I think that's something that Hawaii is going to have to brace for. And uh, and we'll see. We'll see. You know, Hawaii going up against a team with that kind of significant size, that's always going to be a challenge, uh, regardless of this, if, if this is Vanderbilt and they are at the bottom of the stack in the SEC. It's still a team from from the SEC, and so they will still have some of the accoutrements of an SEC roster. Yeah, that, that's the thing, right? You're, you're facing SEC athletes. It was a Vanderbilt team that wasn't very good at all last year, right? Just the two wins, had a loss to East Tennessee State. Um, but I think for Hawaii, there's there's the, the unknown factor as well, and you've seen that in the line. It was kind of interesting because it had dipped down below seven, which I'm going to imagine a lot of a lot of savvy betters are going to want to jump in at that number, right? Less than a touchdown, and, and maybe the reason that it's ballooned back up to eight. But I feel like somewhere around a touchdown seems kind of fair, right? There's a little more known when it comes to Vandy, the the caliber of athlete, uh, and, and for Hawaii, just just the all unknown, and especially on defense, um, you know. But I, I think it'll be a good test for Hawaii because they've got a lot of experience, especially up on that offensive line, and they were a team that was physical last year, and, and I think once again wants to pride itself on some physicality up in the trenches. So, yeah, albeit a you know the bottom of the SEC, but it it is still that caliber of athlete and that caliber of recruit that's there on that roster for Vanderbilt so I think it's a it's a fair it's a fair number coming in 
um, with everything unknown. I mean, there's so much that we don't know that we're going to find out on Saturday. And, and uh, you know, those those uh, those line setters, they seem to know what they're doing. <laughs> Sometimes it's uh, uncanny how well they know what they're doing. All right, well, uh, before we take a break, I want to remind you, as we talk a little pizza with you, that Domino's Hawaii is here fighting inflation with you. This week's special is when you buy two or more items. They're still only $7.99 when you order online or on the Domino's app. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy. He is brought to you by Domino's Pizza of Hawaii. We deliver Aloha. Well, when we come back, a lot of strange stories out there on the national scene. Uh, so we're going to play a little game called What the Bleep. That's when we come back. Let's talk sports. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Jordan Helley is joining from the island of Maui. Tanner Hayworth is on the board, and there's a lot of stuff to get to here uh, and a lot of stuff that makes you scratch your head a little bit and maybe even wonder yourself, what the bleep? And so that's what this segment is called. What the bleep? Tanner, take us through it. Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets have reportedly agreed <laughs> to move forward together. What the bleep? Yeah, seriously, what the bleep? After all of that, right, after all of the posturing and after all of the behind-the-scenes maneuvering, it's like, well, here we are. I think Kevin Durant came to the very brutal realization that the market that he was expecting there to be for him was not necessarily as fulfilling as he thought it would be, certainly enough to convince the Nets to pull the trigger on a trade. Uh, I think that maybe he even overestimated a little bit of his power and maneuverability in this equation. And so he really has no other choice but to go back to the Nets unless, you know, he wants to contradict himself when he contradicted the reports that he'd be willing to actually retire instead of play another season with the Brooklyn Nets. And so here he is, teaming up with Kyrie Irving. They were supposed to be best buds, but Kevin Durant didn't want to return to the team. Instead, he's hanging out with James Harden at all these other places uh, across the globe. Uh, I don't know what the heck is happening from a relationship standpoint there, but, you know, as long as those guys are in the equation, if they're playing on a regular basis, the Nets will be good. They'll be a tough out. Um, but, you know, it's just a, a lot of Pili Kia to kind of get back to the original scenario, which is, all right, KD, Kyrie, Steve Nash, go try to do your thing. It's like the exhausting friend in your friend group that always is, like, getting back together with their ex and, like, <laughs> they're getting in fights and then they come out and then they just – it's just kind of kind of awkward and miserable to be around, you know? It's like, ah. Yeah, well, and then usually, you know. It's going to be something different, you know. And and then you have to, like, be concerned because you, as a supportive friend, have been talking trash about that ex, and then now they're back together. It's like, oh, no, but you know what? But I always thought you guys were good together. Yeah, you know, it just seems exhausting. Yeah. What the bleep? Kevin Durant. I'm sure it's not the end of this. I'm sure there'll still be some noise made throughout the season. Yeah, it'll be something new next week and the week after. But, yeah, it's tiresome. And then the worst part about it is they'll probably still be really good. All right, what's next, Tanner? I was going to say Ben Simmons is probably breathing a sigh of relief there. (laughs) He's like, less shots for me? Thank goodness. All right, what's up, Tanner? Up next, Nick Saban is once again the highest-paid coach in college football after Alabama's Board of Trustees approved a one-year extension and raised for the seven-time national championship that will pay him an average of $11.7 million through 2030. Yeah, 
So they, they, yeah, what the bleep, right? They tacked on an extra year. They also gave him a raise. And so the average comes out to 11.7 mil per season, which then puts him back above Kirby Smart, who for a short time had the title of highest paid coach in college football, who happened to beat Nick Saban in the national championship game. So that's an odd one. But uh, hey, look, man, if you're Alabama, as much as I hate this aspect of college football, and I think it has absolutely corrupted the whole model and the whole machine, and I think to the expense certainly of teams and conferences uh, that are associated with programs like the University of Hawaii, and it just makes my blood boil. If you're Alabama and, and, and you're the administration there, like Nick Saban is worth every penny, is he not? I mean, just the amount of attention he brings to your institution, uh, the amount of success that he brings to the field, um, yeah, he's worth every penny. It's just it's just sickening because it's this type of stuff that led then to the players uh, really starting to mobilize and make it known that they deserve to get a piece of all the the money that was flying around this thing and had we just kind of kept things a little bit more in control uh it would have been better for everybody but instead this is very much a a a cause i think a, a the the causality to what has been the further um demise of college football at least as we know it yeah it's just it's the runaway train yeah i'm with you he's worth every penny it's just it's just kind of funny, right? That that this just keeps snowballing because now Georgia's board of trustees will have to go back and be like, "Well, we got to give Kirby an extension, or he might walk." <laughs> yeah, right? We need to pay him eleven point eight average annual value, and it's just like the highest paid public employee in the state of Alabama is Nicholas Saban, who's making I don't know a thousand times more than anybody. Yeah, and it's then just, and then you know, it is what it is. And then who complains about the NIL rules and complains yeah. about other programs and coaches buying players? Like it's just oh my gosh, it is uh, so hypocritical and so nonsensical. I mean, uh, what the bleep? And then you probably have someone like you know Timmy Chang. To his credit, his first head coaching job, he's coaching his alma mater, and then you know he's comparing salaries, and he more than anybody's like, what the bleep? All right, what's next, Tanner? A fan at a Yankees game went viral yesterday <laughs> after he was spotted using a hot dog wiener as a beer straw. What the bleep? Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big what the bleep. Uh, this thing like lit the internet on fire uh, because this guy seemed to know exactly what he was doing. Like He had done this before. This was part of his routine. He actually ironically used a straw, an actual straw, to hollow out the center of the wiener. <laughs> And and then applied it to the beer and started drinking the beer through the hot dog. Like, I had never seen anything quite like that. There were people that were just piling on this guy going, like, this should be illegal. This, this, this is something he should, like, serve time for, call the cops, you know, that kind of stuff. And it was all in jest, obviously, uh, but they were kind of ridiculing this guy. And, and my only question is, because it, it appears to be just so out there and weird and ridiculous, and I would never I I immediately do it, but I'm just wondering, maybe it's fantastic. Maybe this guy has discovered something that would take beer drinking at ball games to another level. Like maybe Jamba Juice will start using hot dog straws instead of the paper straws because those were very difficult to deal with. Who knows? Maybe this is the start of a revolution in the culinary arts and we are actually going to, as a society, band together to start using more <laughs> pork straws in our diet and in our routines. What do you guys think? Uh, you know, it, it, this is this is the ultimate what the bleep, right? <laughs> I, I, th I feel like this is what this segment was meant for. Um, you could be on to something. 
You know, I mean, people eat the hot dog and drink the beer and put them in their mouths kind of simultaneously, <laughs> right? I mean, it's 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 you're just kind of beating it to the punch. It's kind of a pliable device, right? I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. Then it leads you down the path of the wormhole that is just probably not the place to go. But it's like, you know, what would pair better? You know, if you're drinking like a Heineken, you probably want like a hollowed out Portuguese sausage, right? Like that's ah. probably better than a hot dog for, you know, you got to pair these things. You're going to, there's a whole market. There's a whole industry. You know, it's like a certain, certain meats go well with certain wines. I love it. Um, if know, it's like a, something. if it's like a small drink, like a shot glass or something, you use a Vienna sausage, you know, like it's just, I see there's so many options here. Uh, definitely uh, not kosher, but there are so many options here. Well, uh, I think, I think we could, uh, Tanner's thinking maybe we could take this to like Shark Tank or something like that and see like, oh, meat straws, man. It's going to take the world by storm. Uh, uh, example number two, the Oakland Coliseum. Just kidding. We won't go there. That's another thing. You guys uh, you guys Google that yourselves. All right. Can we squeeze one more in here, Tanner? I'd like to say do not Google that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Brady denied the popular theory that he took significant time off from Bucks training camp to participate in the Masked Singer. Boo. But still hasn't said what his personal reasons for his absence was. What the bleep? Yeah, no, there were some reports. I think it was Pro Football Network said that he was spending time with his family. I guess it was part of his return to Tampa Bay. Part part of of the conditions was that he would be allowed to do this during training camp. Uh, the report was that it included a quick uh, trip to the Bahamas at an exclusive resort where he spent time uh, with his family and wife Giselle. But he hasn't said exactly where he was at. His only response was kind of a tongue-in-cheek one uh, on social media where he said he wasn't on the match singer but where they went they did wear masks or something like that um i'm i'm only i think uh, a bit regretful that it isn't the mass singer. I think that would have been a hilarious story. That would have been fantastic for that to have been the reason why Tom Brady left training camp for 11 days or whatever was to be featured on the masked singer. How fantastic would that be? Maybe that ends up being the thing anyway because it seems, you know, that that uh, some of the details that are that are slipping out would be uh, potentially motivated by him trying to throw people off of the scent, but uh, I am all in on the masked singer theory which hasn't fully been debunked officially yet. So uh I'm still hanging on to hope there. Yeah, he he kind of uh, played it up. I think it's great promotion for when he just appears on the next season, right, which gets filmed, you know, not during football <laughs> season, but like the spring one. I, I think it's it's inevitable now. They got to get him on. Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, – I, I just love the idea of like football players uh, would maybe all of a sudden be given these exemptions to take part in other like reality game shows, you know, like America's Got Talent or uh, – no, uh, sorry, yeah, Aaron Donald, uh, he had to be on Jeopardy. So, uh, yeah, he's going to miss like a week of, uh, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, Aaron Rodgers already kind of did that. It was the off season, but I love the idea of that becoming a little bit more of a trend. Uh, man. That segment was bleeping great. Thanks a lot, Tanner. All right, Jordan's joining us from Maui. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to head down the home stretch, and we're going to get into our best and worst. Uh, but first, want to remind you that, uh, hey, look, the ultimate UH football game day experience is back. It's the Big Green Rally, Saturday from 1.30 to 10 p.m. at the Varsity Building parking lot across from Pucks Alley. You can get ready for the Hawaii Vanderbilt game. they got 13 food trucks, two full bars. If you're a UH supporter, this is the place to party. Admission is free. They're even going to have monitors. If you can't make it to the game, you can watch the game there. At least that's the hope and expectation. For more info, visit BigGreenRally.com. We'll be back. Let's talk sports. 
Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy being joined from the island of Maui by Jordan Helly. We got Tanner Hayworth working the board. It is our home stretch. It is the latter portion of the fourth quarter here. So it's crunch time. Time for our best and worst. Jordan, I'll let you kick us off. What's uh, your best here for this Tuesday episode of the program? Yeah, I'll go my best. I'll go uh, Marcus Mariota. Uh, had a nice day yesterday on Monday Night Football. Six of ten, 132 yards, led a touchdown drive. First drive of the game, led down, got down in field goal range. It was a pretty promising one. They had it first and goal. Uh, but he looked good. He looked really comfortable. And, and uh, you know, it's it's preseason. You're not necessarily going up against teams that are scheming specifically for you as they try to work through some things. But I just thought there was a there was a fluidity to him. There was a comfort level to him. It, him and Arthur Smith obviously have got to get something going from a play caller rhythms perspective. But uh, yeah, good old Marcus Mariota looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Desmond Ritter looked pretty good as well. Maybe it's just a Jets thing. Like if they could just play the Jets every week, I think that would bode well for uh, Marcus having a really strong uh, comeback uh, comeback player of the year type of season. But no, it's just great to see him healthy. Uh, every time he does take off running, though, I'm like clenching my teeth and just crossing my fingers. I just want him to make it to the regular season and Slide, then Marcus. you know, and then and then you do your thing. But uh, but yeah, it's it's good to see him look good. He looks like he's. Um, comfortable there in Atlanta and even uh, in terms of how he's relating to players on the sideline. Good stuff. All right, my best after looking dragged for over four rounds, Leon Edwards claimed the UFC welterweight belt with a stunning KO kick to dethrone uh, uh, Kamaru Usman in the closing minutes of their UFC 278 fight. That was bleeping crazy. It was Rocky Balboa type stuff. I, I absolutely loved it. What's your worst, Jordan? Yeah, my worst. All these weather delays in Williamsport. There's like two a day. You know what? They should just move this thing to Hawaii. We never have bad weather here. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. As uh, I look outside the window, it was raining all morning here yeah. uh, on, the island, on the island of Oahu. All right. My worst is uh, Luke Rockhold smearing blood from his face all over the face of Paulo Costa, also in a fight in UFC 278. It was gross. It was disgusting. He was bleeding from the nose. Uh, it was akin to BJ Penn licking the blood off of his gloves after uh, one of his fights earlier in his career. It's just nasty, man. Like, hey, look, I love the UFC as much as anybody. That's just nasty. Nasty, man. It's my worst. <laughs> All right, that's it for us. Hey, Jordan, thanks a lot, man. Uh, Tanner, appreciate it. I'm Kanoa Leahy. See you tomorrow, everybody. Let's talk sports.